Okay. Okay. I think you can uh, round it up. Probably not finished with with talking with sharing about that one, but you can always come back to the one. Uh, please stay where you are if you can, because we'll I'll do a short introduction on the first heart, and then we'll go back into uh, our small group. Um, so let's start with the first heart. The first heart is a releasing heart. Uh, in other words, a heart that assists other people. A heart making peace with people. A heart which is agreeing more than anything else. That will surrender, give up. Um, so that's the healthy side of that heart. The opposite side, or the side where it can go wrong in our lives, uh, through circumstances, maybe through past uh, things that have happened uh, you know, in our youth or whatever, uh, instead of having a healthy heart in this area, through the experience of life itself, uh, our hearts might turn and become competing hearts. Um, and someone said competition is like illness or a disease between brothers. If you have a competitive heart, there's nothing wrong to be competitive in sport and, uh, you know, in games or whatever. Well, no. Um, <laughs> no, it's not wrong. But I think it can be when you have competition in everything that you do in daily life. Um, life is not meant to be that way. And uh, I've used as an example something that I spoke about uh, in the church uh, two years ago about Jacob and Esau, about Genesis uh, 27. It says there, as soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. And all of that came about because uh, different members of the family were treating one another in a different way. So there was a showing of favor for one and not for the other. And what happened is that the kids in that family started to compete against one another. And we can see that actually in church family as well where it can happen that we put one member before another member, or one ministry above another ministry. Sometimes we elevate one, and then we despise or feel the other one is not as important. And what might result there is that we are in competition with one another in the church. And that's why it says in 1 Corinthians 12, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you or the head to the feet, I do not need you. So the symptom here of a heart that is not right, the symptom is that people are fighting for their own blessing, and they fight for their own recognition. The, the feeling or the ongoing thought that you have to prove yourself towards other people. And you can be in church even and feel you still have to prove yourself. That's not a good feeling. So if someone is blessed and uses it to provoke someone else with the blessing, that's like a disease amongst brothers or sisters. In 1 Samuel 1, verse 6, 
is that example of Hannah and Peninnah. You see a heart that is in competition. It says of Peninnah, who had a child, and Hannah, who could not have children at that time, it says that her rival provoked Hannah grievously to irritate her. And that's a person with a competitive heart. You know, she had a child, but she was still in competition. Isn't that amazing? Why was she in competition? I don't know if you ever asked that question. She had a child. Why? Because she saw Hannah as a threat to her own life. If you thrive, you and I thrive on bad news, that is a competing heart. If you are thriving, if it goes worse with another church and you feel okay, then there's something wrong. If we see other people as a threat to our lives, then our hearts turn negative and competitive. And we need to find in our hearts a deep fulfillment in Jesus Christ ourselves. And the opposite of that heart, of that thrive, of that competitive heart, is the beautiful example of a releasing heart. And I find that, and we can find it in the very same Hannah. She turned the provocation into prayer. And she refused to get bitter. And she was guarding her heart. You look at the scripture, she was guarding her heart against all the negative words that were spoken. So instead of being irritated, she turned her soul into silent prayer. From an impossible situation, she came to faith in God. And her heart was a releasing heart. And when she had Samuel, <coughs> from that releasing heart, she released Samuel into the ministry. She released her own son as a result of finding a release in her heart. <clears throat> I think that's what a releasing heart does. It releases other people around them. It's, it's, it's making things available. I think another great example in Scripture is Jonathan. In 1 Samuel 18, verse 4, it says, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic, and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. What a releasing heart. He was assisting David. He was giving up. He was making peace. So what he gave up was his robe, his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. The Bible describes every aspect of what he gave, surrendered and gave over. He gave everything. His own protection. You know, give your bow and your sword and your belt. You're basically saying, I'm vulnerable. I don't know if you've ever done that. <laughs> to be completely vulnerable, there's nothing else that you can lose. This is it. This is me. Just remember, Jonathan was in line for the throne. He was the one supposed to, go, to come after Saul. But when he saw the hand of God on David, instead of going into competition, he released David. 
What a releasing heart. He was destined to replace his dad. But he saw the favor of God on someone else. What do you and me do when we see the favor of God on someone else? Are we releasing it? Or are we getting into competition? And Jonathan saw his father's soul being in competition all his life. And Jonathan refused to take that as an example for his own life. He didn't compete to win the favor for himself. His heart became a releasing heart. And Jonathan was in unity with God and released David for his future. In other words, if I can accept my calling and God's purpose for my life, I can embrace anyone in the kingdom of God and find absolute fulfillment in my life. I've got a couple of questions there. uh, I'll read them out and then we'll go into a small group again. Read between the, in your group, two or three some, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 24 and 25. It says there that God gives honor to the lesser parts. The question here is, I don't know if you ever thought about that, how does God do this practically? <laughs> because he does it, so how does he do it in church? How does he give honor to the lesser part? Can you think amongst yourself how that works in church? Have you seen God do this in church? How can we help or be instrumental in seeing this happening amongst us? Then the second question there is going back to 1 Samuel 18. What lessons can we learn from Jonathan's life in how he emptied himself in what he gave to David? So do you recognize some of this heart and attitude in how you respond to those around you. Are we clear on the questions? Okay. We'll give it a little bit of time. (laughs) Okay. 